Welcome to the Connect Her podcast for female entrepreneurs that are ready to level up personally and professionally. Here at Connector, we believe you are always one connection away from your next life-changing opportunity. So buckle on up and join us as we connect you with the most sought-after experts who will be sharing their exact strategies and experiences that helped them reach success. We're your hosts, Sam Conaway and Rachel Haig. We are the brains behind Connector, which is not your typical boring pitch-fest networking community. And we have transformed the lives of over 10,000 women through events, mentorship, and of course, connections. Let's dive in. Can I get a boo? Yeah. What is up, connectors? We're going to get right into it because this is an awesome episode for y'all. You might recognize her from our social media workshop if you've been around the connector world for a while. She came in and spoke at our workshop teaching people how to optimize their sales pages. She is a website whiz. I'm excited to introduce you to Courtney the founder of Courtney and Marie Co., a design studio specializing in branding and web design that helps entrepreneurs increase their revenue and impact online. She's a multi-passionate entrepreneur whose mission is to help others improve their businesses, personal lives, and everything in between through speaking, trainings, and coaching. And she is the host of Coffee with Courtney podcast, which is a podcast we highly recommend you hop on over to after this episode, of course, and listen in where she uses her platform to inspire and educate other female entrepreneurs on starting and growing their businesses. Let's dive right into it. Courtney, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be back in the studio recording as you're watching or listening to this. The studio is amazing. It is really quick. Can we just cut to the part of us preparing for this? Because we were really getting our voices ready. <laughs> la, 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 la. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm excited to talk about your journey today, Courtney. I did a little bit of background history on you, and you. She stalked you. I know. I stalked the heck out of you. You have a wild journey. So you graduated college. You moved to California and got a job at Buckle. I did. You, wow, you went far. <laughs> after you got a job at Buckle, you uh, used it so that you can start your online fitness business. Once you started your online fitness business, it started to grow, but you weren't really happy with it. So you went and moved into Kajabi and got a job and you were working the nine to five corporate life, but it didn't feel like that was it for you. You still had a calling that you wanted more. And so you went and started your own design studio, which is now what we hear about today, which is Courtney Marie and Co. And I'm assuming throughout that journey of pivots and turns and twists, there was a lot of hard moments that came up as well. And one of our biggest things at Connector is talking about vulnerability, talking about the side of us that not everybody gets to hear and the pieces that where where things kind of like fell apart. Was there any time for you that you ever wanted to give up? Yes, multiple times. And We're I just want to say deep right from the beginning. I love it. I just want to say thank you for doing that research. I haven't had a lot of people. It's just nice to hear that someone like knows your full story. I know I've shared it multiple times, but yeah, just a big thank you for that. 
there's definitely been multiple times I wanted to give up and we can dive into those, but it's been a long journey. I would say probably seven, eight years, counting the dabbling years. And, you know, in those beginning years, you don't really know what you're doing. You have this passion, you have this idea, but you don't know how to put everything together. And so that's a very confusing time because everything is an idea and you don't really want to share it with people because they're like, good luck. Like, I hope that works out for you. And you don't really have a business plan. And so I think in those years, it was like, well, I have this cool idea, but I don't know how to put it into practice. Once I got into fitness, it was great. I was making money for a couple of years, but it was nothing where it could support me alone without another job. And I think in that moment, when I made the pivot to web design, I really had to sit with myself and ask, like, do I let go of this identity that I've tied to fitness to pursue this other opportunity that could take off or it could not? I You really had to sit with that and like ask yourself, what's the worst that could happen? And I think that's one of the things that I tell myself every time I go into a new opportunity is like, okay, if I try this, what's the worst that could happen? And if it's not trying, I think I'm going to regret not trying more than actually going into it. Yeah, absolutely. I want to just pause on that because I feel like most entrepreneurs that I've met, at least Sam and I both started our entrepreneur journey in the fitness industry too. Most successful entrepreneurs start in the fitness industry. Isn't that crazy? That's like, that's a common thing in so many people's story. If, you know, people are doing so many different things, different industries, but if you really dive into their story, they all started with fitness. So I want to hone in on that for a second because there's a ton of listeners that are probably in the fitness industry and maybe they want to pivot or maybe Mm -hmm. they just pivoted from the fitness industry and they're dealing with that same thing that you dealt with where it's like my identity is being a personal trainer or my identity is this fit lifestyle. What identity shifts specifically happen from fitness leader, personal trainer to now entrepreneur? What was that shift like identity wise? But what habits did you learn being in the fitness industry that now help you to be that successful entrepreneur that you are today? I love that you said that because I think what why it is, is because fitness is such a huge catalyst for everything else that we do in life. Yeah. And so it's easy to start there. Like a lot of fitness coaches, instructors, they get into fitness because it's something that we want to improve for ourselves. And then we start diving in and we're like, oh my gosh, these results are great. More I people feel need to do this. More people yeah, need to experience I this. I want to help people. And so then the next phase goes into, okay, I want to make this like a career move and help people. And I think for me, I got into it and I'm like, I love helping people, but this is also exhausting. Like the one-on-one coaching isn't my thing, Mm. but that's the thing. I had to try and jump in and figure out what I liked doing and what didn't work. And so going back to your question, what identity shifts that I had to make, I think one was this letting go of this idea that I thought I was going to be doing fitness for the rest of my life. And if I didn't follow through. If I didn't continue, what would other people think of me? I think I was more concerned about that than what I was actually doing and what was what I really needed in that moment. And it was making money. 
I needed to make a living to support myself financially. I was in a very bad relationship at the time, and I wanted to move out of that situation. And I put myself in a situation that I needed to do whatever it took to leave and be on my own and support myself financially. So I think just letting go of the thought of what other people cared. And since that moment, I have not cared what other people have thought. Other people's opinions don't pay the bills. When you get into entrepreneurship, I'm sure you guys struggled with this, but the hardest people to support you is the ones closest to you, your friends and family, because they don't see it. They're trying their best to support you, but their fears get projected onto you. And it's like, okay, well, now their fears projecting onto me are trying to keep me safe and then keep me from going and taking the risks that I need to take. So I think that's the biggest one that stands out the most. I'm sure there's a lot of other pieces, but as far as like fitness goes, mindset, routines, that was a big one. Daily habits, like self-discipline is huge for entrepreneurship. If you don't have that, you're not going to get anywhere because you don't have a boss telling you what to do. So if you have that self-discipline in fitness, you can now apply that to your business and just taking care of your health, like getting enough sleep, the right nutrition, all of that applies to running your own business and like taking care of you so you can take care of others. Boom. I think that there is a lot of ladies here that can relate to that kind of layer that you need to shed when you're going from one identity of being someone who is maybe wrapped up in the wrong friend group or the wrong relationship or something that maybe was comfortable into this full on entrepreneur. And you don't have time to go to to the bar with Sally because you have emails to send or you don't have the capacity to listen to your mother or your grandma tell you to go back and get your, your nine to five job because that's the safe route. Was there an example of a time in your life where you felt like there was a relationship that wasn't really serving you? And how were you able to shed that layer and really step into that CEO mindset? And what was that process like? Because I guarantee it, it probably wasn't easy. There's almost like that breaking up process with certain friends or certain relationships that need to happen. Yeah, well, I think one was that one that I was in. I had to leave that. And once, guys, once I left that situation, my business took off. Mm. It's amazing how God like puts these situations and like how powerful we really can be if we really step into our full potential and purpose and like take that leap. But I think my first year, this was my choice. I chose to hustle and work Monday through Sunday. I didn't have a lot of friendships out in California, and it was also COVID. So I just really took advantage of that time to build my business. I gained about 20 pounds, so also don't recommend doing that. But would I go back and do it again? I don't know. Like hustling that first year and making those sacrifices has now put me in a position where now I can like have more ease and travel and spend more time in community and these friendships. And I love life now. So I don't think I would go back and do it again. I try not to focus on like any regrets in life or like everything has happened for a reason. And I am who I am today because of the choices that I've made, good or bad. And so I just try to focus on that. 
Yeah. So when you stepped in from being this fitness trainer to being now the CEO of Courtney Marie and Co., which is a marketing studio, was there any imposter syndrome from that pivot when you stepped into this brand new identity? Did you ever face like, oh, you know, I was this fitness trainer. Now I am the CEO of a studio. Was there imposter syndrome that ever came up when you were talking to potential clients, hiring a team or anywhere along your journey? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was more so like, who am I to do this? I didn't have, yeah, I went to school for graphic design, but it wasn't like my actual major. And I had a lot of design experience, but a lot of it was self-taught. And when you are self-taught entrepreneur, business owner, that also comes with comparison to the other people who, like for the first year, like I used Canva. I was like, this is simple. This is a tool. I will never stop using Canva. Canva is gold. It's amazing. Canva is gold. Canva's life. (laughs) Right? Canva's love. And the best thing is, it's the best tool for us and our clients. Mm -hmm. So I always try to look at things like, what's the most efficient way? And if that's a tool that is simple to use for me and the client, the client doesn't care what tools you use to create the best outcome. And so through that journey, the first two years, I had major imposter syndrome because I was going up against a lot of these big designers. And I kept comparing myself. I'm like, well, I feel like I should be at their level when they've been doing this for four years. Mm -hmm. And I had to really sit back and reflect and be like, no, people are paying me for my designs. And I kept having these clients and yet I still had this imposter syndrome. And I, 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 I laugh because the first year I kept telling my coach, I'm like, well, I don't know. What if, what if it all stops? Or what if this just is a fluke? You hit your first six figures and you're, you don't know what to do. You're like, did this just happen or is this, do I have an actual business now? And she sat me down one day. She's like, Courtney, this is not a fluke. You are running a business. You have clients paying you and they like your designs. They're coming to you for you. And I think since that moment, I was like, it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. What matters is I zone in on my design style and that I go all in with that. And that's my specialty with Kajabi and show it. That's what I know. So why not be the best person in those areas to attract the type of people that I want to work with? And also just knowing that there's this whole world of people that we can all work with them together and like so many different people. So I think it didn't really stop until like second year in And I really don't know. I think I just had to get comfortable and be confident in my own designs and what I brought to the table. I think it's important to note that along your journey, you created your first six figures while still holding a lot of imposter syndrome. And so a lot of people think, when I get rid of this, then I will be successful. When I get this perfect, then I will be able to create success for myself. And they create these stories in their head that they're not going to get there until they battle all of these fears first. And you're living proof that that's not the case. You can still start messy. You can still start. You can fail forward. You can, you know, have these hiccups happen or you can decide that you can you can make your first six figures even with those fears, even being scared, even 
thinking that you're not enough and it'll still happen for you and to keep going because slowly and surely those fears will start to fade away. Another really important thing that you said that I want to piggyback off of is people wanted to work with you because you were you. Not because you were using these fancy, you were using Canva, you were using whatever worked for you. It didn't matter what website designer you were using, what platforms, how you were managing your customers, what the exact process looked like, what the onboard process looked like. Well, I mean, that matters. It does matter, (laughs) but people wanted to work with you because you were you. You are Courtney and you, your vibe attracts your tribe, right? You were working with the people that are there because they enjoy how you go about your work, how you conversate with them, how you care about that. And it's important for the listeners to remember, like, you don't have to have it all together. Yes, certain systems and processes are important, but people are going to want to work with you because you're you, Mm -hmm. because of exactly how your energy radiates, right, in your business. I want to kind of take it back to this whole journey. So it sounds like from fitness leader to website designer in between, there was a ton of lessons that you learned along all these pivots. And maybe it was like, I have my habits in lock right now. And then it was like, oh, I gained 20 pounds, but I've been grinding behind my computer and I'm getting other things on lock. And you were learning all these different lessons along the way. When did it really come together for you? And what does your current work-life balance look like? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it all came together. So what you mean by come together might mean differently for me. Yeah was when I could take a step back and breathe. Mm. And I think that was, oh my gosh, everything is such a blur. So like the first year, my entire business, I felt like it was dragging me. And another note I want to say is you can hit six figures without systems. I don't recommend it, but it goes back to you don't have to have everything together. You need one problem for one solution and you go six figures with that before you add in other offers. I think that's where a lot of people get it wrong. But I think four months in, I hired my first co-designer to help me with projects. And then if I have my timelines right, I think it was that July that my mom got cancer. And so then I had to learn how to like how am I hustling and building a business? And then I have to be there for my mom and like fly back and forth between California and Nebraska. And then I I think that was the same year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the same year because then I ended up with a team of seven people mm-hmm. and I hired on demand versus like needing time to go through the process. I'm like, nope, you're hired. Like I need help now. And so I think that whole first two years was such not... It was kind of a mess because it was just learning. I was learning how to start a business, how to create systems, how to manage a team, and how to create content and all of these things together while also wanting to take time and be home. And I was able to do that very thankfully that I was able to take time off and my team was able to support me in those seasons. But I think after two years, I was finally able to take a step back and like breeze. And I think now, so we went from a team of seven to now a team of five and we take on less clients. We went from taking on 12 to 15 clients a month and now we only take on four to six clients. And this is the best feeling I've had since starting this web design business. I just feel more relaxed. 
I kind of left the high cash months to be in this moment. And yeah, I may not be making as much as I did in the beginning, but I was also more stressed. And I also couldn't take as much time off. And I think that's a big thing. Like it's not all about the money. And that's a big thing that I've learned through this journey. Now it's just, I feel like I'm a completely different person in a different headspace. And I'm just enjoying life a lot more now. And then I have this amazing business. But yeah, I I would say between year two and three, I could take a step back and be like, wow, the systems are in place. We have a solid team. Yeah, we have hiccups here and there. Like that's another thing. It's not a linear process. You coast for a little bit and then, oh, you run into another problem. You got to redo your systems a little bit to scale forward. So it's just always a learning uh, journey and you learn something new every time. I think the word entrepreneurship means something different to a lot of different people. But the one underlining thing is when someone wants to become an entrepreneur, they want freedom. That's mm-hmm. that's the number one reason why people want to create their own businesses and serve other people and create that impact is mostly because they want the freedom of being able to have more time with their family, more time doing whatever they want, more present time with themselves. And on your journey, it sounds like you were kind of going through the hustle and bustle for a while and almost creating another job for yourself, yeah. which is what a lot of entrepreneurs start to do and kind of get stuck in. What was the first boundaries that you started to set with your team, with yourself, to allow yourself to kind of step back? Maybe that meant making less money. Maybe that meant less projects. What were the first boundaries you started to set? And how did it feel to set those first boundaries? Yeah, setting boundaries for me was tough. As a people pleaser, I'm like, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But what I've learned is when you set healthy boundaries for you, it actually helps the other person too and helps that relationship. So one of the first boundaries that I always had, like I knew it would be the first one, is I don't work weekends at all. First year, yes, I worked weekends, but once I hit that point where I didn't have to, I no longer work weekends. I'm off my computer, done working about five or six, I maybe longer if I want to, but I caught off that. And then I check my email twice a day, once in the morning, once at night. And then with my team, it's just the same. Like no one on our team works weekends unless they want to. Like that was something that I wanted to respect for them. And then just as far as communication, just setting the tone like this platform is for this specifically. This platform is for this communication. If you need to reach me, this is how to do it. Like there's a process and system for everything. So I think boundaries wise, systems had a big part of that. Have you noticed your creativity increase now that you are working less? That's an interesting question. I've actually felt my creativity spark in the last month, which I haven't had it for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Because once you step out of being a designer and into now you're a creative director and now you're a CEO, you don't get to practice that like creative mind a lot. And so I think if you've seen my journey, you could tell like through my content, there was a moment there where it's like I was heavy CEO role and not so much creativity. And I think that's another reason why I scaled back because it's like, I love that creativity. You know, you have to decide, do you want to step into that CEO role or do you want to be a designer? And for me, I want to do both. 
And so I'm now restructuring my business that allows me to do that through these VIP days. Like that allows me to still design and then also have my team create these killer websites for more custom design work. And so it's like a happy medium and like you have to, you can reinvent yourself and there's just seasons and ebbs and flows that you have to go through. Love that. So circling back into your team, you have five now that are working under you, correct? Mm -hmm. You had seven when you were in that hustle and bustle phase. What advice would you give on when is it time to hire and what is the way to hire? Like, how can you ensure that you're creating a really great culture, but you're also being able to pass off work in a smooth transition? Yeah, there's so much that goes into that. I know. I'm like, summarize that in a couple a of sentence. minutes. <laughs> Three words, please. <laughs> hire slow, fire fast. Boom. Oh, and that's all you need to know. Drop. And we're done here. <laughs> um, gosh, there's so much that I learned through the hiring process. Because again, I didn't sign up for entrepreneurship to be a manager. Mm. I got I got to that part. I'm like, wait, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be the bad guy. <laughs> like, right. And so, gosh, tips. I think the first step would be when you start a business, I've talked about this a little bit, you want to keep track of everything that you're doing. Even if you don't think you're going to hire someone, just do it so you have it documented. How long does it take me to do this? How many hours do I put in per week checking emails? How many hours do I use to create content? Like just writing all of that out so you have that prepared when you hire someone because then you have the expectation, okay, if this took me this long, I need a virtual assistant to help me check emails and write a blog post. I know it takes me five hours. Well, now I hire them or I can put the expectation out. Hey, I'm looking for a virtual assistant who can help me six hours a week at this hourly rate. And then now you have the expectation and then once they come in, let's say it's taking them 10, 15 hours. Well, now you have to step into that manager role. Hey, I noticed this was taking a little longer than the expectation. What's going on? Or, or where do we need to tweak this? So I think that's like the biggest advice that I would give that I've learned. And then also hiring based off of personality. Yes, skill, but more so personality because you can always teach a skill set. There was one time I hired on skill and the personality just didn't fit. She was great, but I had to let her go because it just wasn't a good fit for the team culture that I wanted to create. And that was hard, right? It's hard firing someone and also being a people pleaser. Like, I don't want to have this conversation. This is so uncomfortable. But I think that would be another big piece of advice also holding them accountable, being okay with mistakes happening. That was another thing that I struggled with as a type A person. Okay, well, it has to be this way and this way. But when you bring other humans into everything, we all make mistakes. And you can't control everything and be a micromanager. You have to allow them room to step into that role and if a mistake happens, okay, how do we handle it? My name is on everything. And so we've had things fall through the cracks. And so I need to be the one to reach out to the client. 
I am so sorry this happened. This is on us. We will take care of this. And I think clients will respect that. They can't have that expectation on you either that you're this perfect human being if they run a business as well. So just being able to step back, allowing them room to make those decisions and mistakes because then it only helps them grow. Mm. So how have you dealt with difficult clients? <laughs> Speaking of clients, really? Or let's hear. I'm sure that there's been some difficult ones, ones that maybe you could describe to us what a difficult client is and then how you have handled those situations. Yeah, I had a lot my first year because I wanted to work with everyone and anyone to figure out what I liked, who I liked to work with. And then at that time, like you need money. So you have to take on every everyone. I don't agree with the, oh, you start out, like be super selective when you first start out. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so you got to put in the work and get your, or get in the dirt. <laughs> but I would say someone who's very disrespectful and demanding, that's a no for me. We're not a good fit. And I can see that on the sales call now. If they're very picky with it needs to be done this way, this way, this way, that tells me that they're not looking for an expert. They're looking for someone to do a VA to do what they want. Hmm. Because someone, our perfect client is coming to us, the expert, they know that that's our expertise. Like, hey, this is my vision. I trust you with your creative direction. That's what we want. Because then it allows us room to like play and like have fun and do the things that are outside of the box and create this awesome website for them. But I've had to fire two clients and refund two clients in the four years what? that we've been in business. Not too bad. Yeah. So that's pretty good. I mean, four oh. years. Yeah. I love the way you said that. It's almost like you wouldn't go to a doctor and tell them, this is what's wrong with me and this is the medicine I exactly. need you to prescribe. You go to a doctor because they're an expert. They're going to tell you what's wrong with you. Depends on the doctor you go to, right? That could be a controversial thing, but you're going to a doctor. They're going to tell you what's wrong with you and they're going to prescribe the medication because they're an expert in that field. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed as you have set boundaries running your business with your team, with your time, all of those things, it kind of flips into the type of your vibe attracts your tribe, the type of people you bring on and you start to bring on people that also respect your boundaries? Yeah. I actually, oh, I wish I could remember. I had a client once say, I don't remember what she said, but I've had multiple clients say like, oh, I, that's totally fine. I know that's going to be extra revision cycle. I can pay for that. Or like, oh, I know this is like on the weekend. Let me know when you're free on Monday to get back. Like they just know because they now they respect me and I respect them. But it is crazy how like once you know your worth and you stand in that and you set those loving boundaries, people respect you and you do start to attract those clients that respect themselves too. And then it's just like a great working relationship. Mm -hmm. I want to switch gears a little bit, but it's still on relationships. I heard you mention I'm a type A person. I do things mm -hmm. this way. I know you're huge on Enneagram and that is something that I can learn more about. How has your type of person, your Enneagram, how do you use that to judge or just formulate relationships in your life? Wait, can you first 
I was going to ask, do you yeah. know what I am? What even in, I, thought, I think I was saying it wrong. Enneagram? 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 Enneagram. Enneagram. Tell us what an anagram is, please. An anagram. Tell us, tell the audience who the anagram is. I'm talking about anagrams. I want to hear your mammogram. Okay, when you're 30, that's what you got to get into. If we want to take it that way, we can. Okay, what was your question? What is it? What is yes. a mammogram? <laughs> what is an enneagram, mammogram, anagram? Uh, okay, painful. guys, I'm not an expert in the enneagram. I love it, so I'm just going to say what I think it is. It's a personality tool that is based off of a number system that describes each personality type. Now. You have to take these things with a grain of salt. We're not human beings that can be in certain categories or only in one. So that's why I always say, like, please don't take it, like, directly. I really use this tool to understand more about who I am, why I do the things I do, what's my motive. Like, it just helps me create my lifestyle. And then also, like you said, find relationships, create relationships, and then also strengthen relationships. The relationship I'm in now, like it's been an amazing tool for each of us to understand each other's personality type and then also read the compatibility to see, ooh, these are the things that we could butt heads on. And now knowing that, we can take a step and prepare and not get into those situations. Mm -hmm. And so I think you can also do that with your friendships, your employees, anyone that you bring on, like just research. And the more you know yourself, the more that you can communicate well with others and also understand other people and why they do the things that they do, because then you can have more compassion. And we all know that we need more love and compassion in this world and understanding. We don't all think the same. And so why wouldn't you want to understand? Why wouldn't you want to be curious oh, why do they think that way? Why did they say that thing? Like, what are they really struggling with? How can I support them? Mm. Okay, so really quick. I know there's like Zodiac sign, human design. There's so many. Why Enneagram? Why is that the one that you focus on? I have my thoughts on the other ones. But (laughs) for me, the Enneagram has been the one that has felt the most accurate for my personality type. And I feel like it's just given me so much context to understand myself and then understand other people can you give us an example of like you said you are a seven no. absolutely a one <laughs> a two <laughs> she's like no she doesn't like the seven <laughs> i think <laughs> i'm a seven when i took it like a few years ago i was mm-hmm. are you offended because no. she don't like seven she doesn't I didn't say that <laughs> Courtney and I are great friends, yeah, I thought. We are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what number are you? Okay, I am an Enneagram one wing nine. And there's so, wings? Yeah. Some like people have compartments. Wings. So okay. Some people oh can gosh. fly, some people right. can't fly. So what's really fascinating we'll is <laughs> I just have one wing. <laughs> <laughs> this whole podcast is taking a switch. Please educate us. Let's hear this. Okay, I'll try to keep this short. Probably not. But what's very interesting is you can have your number 
that you are, which I'm a one, a reformer, a perfectionist, very detail-oriented, which makes a great designer, and structured. So I love routines. I love calendar invites. That's my love language. But on the flip side, my wing nine is the peacemaker, the people pleaser also, and very more doesn't like conflict, is very much just kind of free flow. So although I like structure, but when I'm more in my healthy state, so now that we get into, okay, one, do you, are you in your unhealthy stage, mild or healthy based off of the season you're in, how well you can improve yourself and all that stuff like growth. But when I'm in more, more healthy state, I can actually be relaxed and go more with the flow. So it's so fascinating and also goes back to like, yes, you can be this number, but you can also like move in and out of like different stages of that, if that makes sense. Mm, okay. So what numbers do you get along with and what numbers do you not <laughs> get along with? <laughs> so a lot of my friends usually are, I have one friend that's a one. And I haven't really met another, actually I knew two people that are one. And it's funny because we all love calendar. We're like, hey, I'll send you a calendar invite. I have a note on that. You love calendar invites, but I sent you a calendar invite (laughs) for this podcast and you didn't accept it. I did too. That's why I texted you this morning and was like, "Mm -hmm, Courtney, are you going to be there? I Uh hit, I hit, yes. Uh Uh-oh. No, there was not the Did it not? No. I'm going to check it right now. Maybe I was in my nine today. That's so funny because I hit yes last night. Oh, no. It didn't show a little check mark. Interesting. It, it doesn't show a no. But there's no there's, there's no, no green check. check mark. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> I just find myself being surrounded with a lot of threes. Mm, what is a three? The achiever. That's the one that I was. What's a seven? You oh, yeah, you, you were. were. Yeah. What's a seven again? The enthusiast. Oh, the, I know that. Yeah, they're I'm always very enthused, big very FOMO often. for the seven. Like, they can't miss out <laughs> I on I thought anything. seven was the achiever. No. <laughs> Sevens, like, will go to the same movie twice just to, so they don't feel left out. Oh, no, 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 because all, all three of those, their motive is the same or like they kind of, it's success, it's schedule, mm-hmm. like routine or like bettering yourself. But I also get along with sevens and nines. I love nines. They're super sweet. Twos. Uh, my mom is a two, the I don't helper. I know what I am. I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah. It's, it's a great tool. But I would say if you can understand which one you are, you could get along with a lot of people because now you understand yourself and then you can also understand other people and just how to communicate with them do you use this with your clients or just with your team both both um i don't ask my clients what are you but if i know like we'll get into it back in research yeah like we'll talk about it if they love that but i also just try to understand like everyone has a different personality and i kind of pick up on that on the sales call if i'm talking to a male I know to go more with data, analytics, numbers, like what I can do for you, ROI. If I'm talking to a female, I know, okay, we're going to go with more emotions because that's kind of what we lean into. Yes, we want to know the ROI, but also like how is this going to make you feel and that sort of thing. On the topic with clients, I know that you work with a lot of six, seven-figure entrepreneurs. 
How have you managed to attract these clients and what do you use to evolve those relationships? We have a strategy of cold outreach. So we have that one always going. And then we also get a lot of Google search and referrals. Those would be our main three sources of getting leads, getting clients. As far as attracting clients on social media, honestly, there is no really set strategy. I kind of just, it's been a lot of what I feel like posting and then also what can help other people and just understanding that target audience. So if I'm attracting a six, seven figure earner, I don't need to tell them, hey, you need branding. Hey, you need a website. They know that. But what I could do is I could help them on a few tips of how to increase your website views, how to help you with social media posts, things that go outside of the website to help elevate their business. Because I don't, I don't want to tell you, like, everyone knows you need a website. I don't need to sit here and, like, drive that in. But I can help support you outside of doing that. Mm -hmm. So really listening to the needs of your ideal client, your perfect client, and figuring out what that is and then leading with value, it sounds like. And we've seen that probably with every single person we've interviewed, we've asked a similar question and they've all said the exact same thing. How can I support you? How can I come to you with value? And that is the exchange is you provide value and maybe they work with you and maybe they don't. But when you put that out there, that's typically how you start to attract the people that you either want to be friends with, work with, or just connect with in general. Yeah. And I think people pick up on desperate energy. Mm. And I like, yeah, you're desperate in the beginning, but you can do that in different ways, like just pumping out content, providing value. But one thing I do on sales calls, it's like, I'm not here to convince you to work with me. You either want to work with us or not. And I have to determine if I want to work with you. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big thing or a big shift that you need to, same thing in relationships. You need to ask like, do I like this person? Do I want to work with this person? And I think that's just really important. And then once you release that desperation that you like need to hold on or scarcity mindset, that's when like more abundance comes in. Mm. I love that. So as we kind of wrap up the show, what is new for you? What kind of projects, what things are you working on? What can the listeners expect to see from you? Yeah, so we are... Launching the new season of the podcast next week. I don't know when this is being dropped, but April 25th. So I'm really excited to get that back out there. I love podcasting, but just one thing like podcasting is a passion project. And so you need time to do it. So that's one thing. And then the big other thing is, or other big thing is my VIP days. I've been loving doing VIP days, website in a day. It's an offer that I launched that's really just a win-win solution for my clients and me. Two-day website process. We get your website up and going. You can skip the six-week timeline process and the wait list and get your website up and going. So those are two big things. And Do you do that online or in person? Online. Mm. Yeah. I don't do anything in person. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. More of an introvert. <laughs> introvert. <laughs> and then also just living life. I've really been like diving into growing my personal brand and sharing stuff that is more on a personal note. So you'll probably see more of that. 
Uh, I just love being able to share things that I've gone through to help other people, whether that's business, fitness, um, relationships, whatever it may be. But yeah, I'm excited. Beautiful. Whether it is for a VIP day or you just want to follow her on Instagram, all of her tags will be in the show notes. You can give Courtney a follow and connect with her. Courtney, we have one more question for you before we end the show for today. And we like to ask everyone this question because at Connector, it's kind of obvious. We believe that you are always one connection away and connections can really formulate and change your life. A connection can be an opportunity What is one connection in your life that you have made that has absolutely changed the trajectory of your life, given you opportunities, changed your life in general? This is so hard. I've been thinking about this the entire episode. (laughs) I have so many. Give us two. One business, one personal. How about that? All right. Business was meeting my business coach, which he reached out to me, and that just... 10x my business that completely changed the game for me he was able to help me go from a professional content consumer to actually starting and running a business and just like breaking down what do I need to do on a monthly or daily weekly monthly basis so that has been a huge catalyst in where I am today and then personal I would say my boyfriend now is he going to put a ring on that finger soon? We'll Shout see. out. You better be listening. <laughs> we'll what are you dropping in this episode? <laughs> I'll make sure to send it to him. Say, listen to the last couple seconds. <laughs> yeah, no, we met through a mutual friend, and that has just completely changed everything. You never know who you're going to meet. I love that. And at the beginning of the podcast, we were talking about like a terrible relationship that you had to shut off to be able to skyrocket your personal development and your business. And now, after grinding it out and building your business and really putting yourself first, you found a relationship that is so beautiful for you. God is good. I love it. All right, connectors. It has been a jam packed episode. We talked about personal life. We talked about business. We talked about starting in one industry and ending and succeeding in another So many beautiful things along Courtney's journey. If you would like to connect with her again, check those show notes, follow her on Instagram, hop on over to the Coffee with Courtney podcast, and we will see you guys in the next episode. Peace out. Thanks for tuning in to the Connect Her podcast. We are your hosts, Sam and Rach. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to show your support, make sure to connect your friends with your favorite episode, leave a review, and download that favorite episode for later. And remember, you're always one connection away. We'll catch you in the next episode.